Welcome to the Haringey Education Partnership Brief. It's Monday, the 24th of April. I'm Luke. And I'm Maya, and we're here to bring you up to date with what's happening in education. Here's what you need to know this week. In the wake of the death of head teacher Ruth Perry, Amanda Spielman, Ofsted's chief inspector, said that the watchdog was making changes to acknowledge the continuing debate and strength of feeling. Ofsted will consider returning earlier to schools that fail inspections only due to safeguarding issues. They will also underline that heads and teachers can have a colleague from their school or trust join discussions with inspectors. The Association of School and College Leaders, or ASCL, announced its first ever ballot on strike action. ASCL did not ballot last year, as did its three other union counterparts, but it said it had been left with no option. Members of ASCL recently rejected government ministers' offer of a one-time payment this year and a 4.3% increase, and their strike action would potentially take place during the autumn term. In related news, senior DfE officials and offset inspectors will also be balloted for strike action over the government's civil service pay offer. As schools ready themselves for the return of pre-pandemic GCSE grade standards, they are also grappling with high levels of student absence. A TES analysis reveals that exam student absence is 75% higher than before the COVID lockdowns. The absence rate among disadvantaged Year 11 students who will sit their GCSE exams this summer is more than double that of their peers. Additionally, the use of ChatGPT and other AI software programs is making cheating on coursework and assessment difficult to spot. According to government data on permanent exclusions and suspensions in England, the number of suspensions jumped by nearly 25% compared with pre-pandemic levels. The increase was driven by suspensions in secondary schools, which rose by 38%. Some good news, however, is that the number of permanent exclusions of pupils last spring fell compared with pre-pandemic levels, from 2,800 to 2,200. This week's Deep Dive, the British Educational Training and Technology Show, London 2023. From the 29th to the 31st of March, the BET Show took place at the Excel Centre in London. I had the pleasure of heading to the event for one day to check out all the new and exciting things happening in the edtech world. At first glance, the BET Show was pretty overwhelming. There was a lot going on there, and the Excel Center itself is gigantic. It was full to the brim of stalls featuring different edtech companies, of attendees from all over the world, and it even had an arena for the larger events that were taking place. I started my tour of BET in the North Hall, where there was a global showcase The Global Showcase included a massive stall from the United Arab Emirates Ministry of Education, which was focused on showcasing all the new things that the ministry is doing in that country's education system. But they weren't the only country represented. There were actually stalls from Poland, Germany, Hungary, South Korea, France, and of course the UK. And most of those featured edtech companies or creators from their respective countries. 
Next to the Global Showcase was the area for equipment and hardware. This was also massive, and you could find all sorts of things like robotics, display screens, augmented reality equipment, and even gaming stations. Uh, these stalls featured different demos of technologies, such as interactive touch screens, VR goggles, uh, looking at digital curriculum, and even playing tech augmented sports. So there's a lot to see. I spent a while looking at robotic dogs that were remote-controlled and did all sorts of interesting tricks. Uh, I also saw a pair of PE teachers playing on a gigantic wall-length screen and throwing a basketball at it to try to hit certain targets. One thing that was notably missing from this area of equipment and hardware was anything brand new or cutting edge. I expected to see some tech that maybe I hadn't seen before, but not really. Most of the stuff there were technologies that are already in use, or at least that some people might be familiar with, even if they aren't in the classroom or at school. This fit in with a general trend that I noticed, where companies seemed to be more focused on getting people comfortable with their technology and improving its features, rather than introducing something completely new. Wandering over to the South Hall, I noticed a lot of stalls from companies that most of us are familiar with. Front and center was Microsoft, and they had an animated presenter talking about all the new features that they had built into Office 365. A lot of those software giants, such as Google and Apple, seemed, again, to be focused on notifying teachers and training them to use their tech and all the features that were built into it. A lot of the companies appeared to want to become one-stop shops for teachers, and their products could pretty much do anything that would be required of a digital classroom. Aside from the giants, other notable companies like Canva, Intel, Smart, ClassIn, Pearson, and others also had stalls. And a lot of the staff there were very helpful and were great at explaining to me what their product did. Cybersecurity appeared to be a big theme. And I spent some time with one company that offered a cyber safeguarding service for schools. This service would notify school staff if the students ran into any trouble online while they were using the school computers. Another company I talked to worked with the National Tutoring Program, and their service was helpful in matching up pupils to verified tutors. One thing I think BET did right was that it did not ignore the voices of young people. I saw one presentation in which two young Swedish girls shared their experience of creating a text-to-speech program for students with reading difficulties. Another presentation in the arena featured several young students who had participated in newly implemented degrees about esports. Which brings me to another theme of the convention. Esports are on the rise. Video games apparently attract a 2 billion strong audience globally, and companies are taking note of that. 
They want to incorporate it into education because young people are often quite interested in playing games and that can be used as a vessel for learning. Evidence of this gamification was kind of everywhere at bet. And there were some places that looked more like arcades and esports tournaments than educational showcases. It appears that video games, under the more romanticized guise of esports, are finally having their potential as educational tools realized. Overall, I thought BET was a very worthwhile overview of what's going on in the edtech world. This world of edtech is no longer on the fringe. You can see that with the amount of investment that huge companies, as well as smaller ones, are putting into it. It's a massive market, and industry giants see it as the opportunity to capitalize both on young people's interest in technology and government's need to ensure education is preparing young people for the modern world. You can read more about the London Bet Show and see some pictures in my blog on the HEP Insights page on the Herringay Education Partnership website. This week at HEP. The Enfield Primary Science Network is taking place on Tuesday at 1pm. This session is in person and will take place at Grange Park Primary. On Wednesday, we'll be joined by the team from Walkthroughs for two sessions. The first is all about building clusters and going deeper to ensure fidelity in practice and kicks off at 10am. The second session, called Instructional Coaching, Models, Impacts and Developments, kicks off at 1pm. Finally, we'll be joined at HEPHQ by Tracy Campbell and her team of behaviour champions on Friday for a full day. This workshop focuses on the motives that lie behind misbehaviour, the responses to behaviour that gets results, and BAME, boys and behaviour. All sessions are available on the HEP Booking Hub. This week, we've been watching the Primary Singing Toolkit created by ISM Trust and Voices Foundation. We've been browsing this brilliant free digital resource for primary teachers of music. Discover inspirational and practical singing strategies to enhance your music curriculum and feel empowered to share the joy of singing with your students. This week, we've been listening to Re-Release, Hard Words, Why Aren't Our Kids Being Taught to Read? From Soul to Story. An excellent story from across the pond, which delves into the ways in which research tells us how to teach children to read, and how teachers in the U.S. were very much teaching it differently. This podcast will be reminiscent of the reading wars, but it sets things straight, namely, that children must be taught how to decode words in order to successfully learn to read. This week, we've been reading Making Professional Development More Personal, Gen Z Solutions Number 4 by Alex Atherton. With Gen Z's hunger to constantly learn and improve, a personal approach to professional development is needed when you're looking to retain staff from this generation. Take a look at some of Alex's top tips to help keep your team on track. That's it for our Monday, 24th of April, HEP Brief. Thank you for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, share on social media, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This brief has been written and produced by Maya Cardwell and Luke Kemper. Original music by Slow Pony. That's S-L-O Pony. We'll see you next week.